feeding me again. And it was laying in that hospital bed with a feeding tube up my nose when I should have been in Spain living my best life that I had that snap in me, Emily. I was, that was the point. Like it had been years though. This had, you know, been from seventh grade to the end of my senior year of high school for me to go, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. I, my life has been totally controlled and dictated by this voice in my head for so long telling me that I'm not good enough and that, you know, I have control if I, if I don't eat and if I overly exercise and, you know, all of that stuff that it was, there were just lies. And then I just thought about all of the stuff that my eating disorder had taken away from me thus far. Hi there, and welcome to the Let's Thrive podcast. My name is Emily Feichels, and I started this page to inspire, educate, and empower any who listen. Like most people, I'm a curious soul and love to chat with my guests on all things health, wellness, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and so much more. I hope you'll stick around for a time or two. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to the Let's Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it is a pleasure as always to have you here with us today. Now, I can't believe I'm saying this, but where did time go? (laughs) I'm recording this intro in advance. It is March 2nd, and I was just recording an intro about how January flew by, and now I'm saying how February flew by. And it's true. I mean, it was a very emotional month for me. Maybe you guys felt that. I don't know. There was a lot of things going on in the astrological sense as well, if you're into that. So I just think it was a a rough month all around, but it also went by pretty fast. So I'm just excited to hopefully have March be a little bit easier on the emotional scale. Uh, Let me get some more work done, focus more, all that good stuff. But it actually works out perfectly because this morning I just did a post on Instagram about something I was struggling through lately, which was I'm preparing to leave for Expo West this week, actually tonight, after recording this intro, and I needed to pack. So I started trying on outfits to figure out what I'd wear, and I realized that of all of my jeans, I have one pair that still fits, and the other 10 pairs, uh, none of them fit. (laughs) And to some of you, that might not seem like a big deal, but for any of you that have, you know, had a history with disordered eating, exercise addiction, any of that fun stuff, you'll know how challenging it is when, you know, you can be okay with your body changing, but then you go to try on clothes and suddenly it's like a bitch slap to the face of, oh, yeah, I really have changed a lot. And so it goes in line because today's episode is actually with a dear friend of mine, Madeline Miles, and we talk all about eating disorder and, more importantly, recovery. Madeline has a very unique journey with her disordered eating, and I think it's one of those things where, as you hear her speak, if you're someone who has gone through it or you're going through it now, it will be a reality call of, wow, that was me too, or wow, that is currently me. And I hope that prompts you to you know, work on moving towards recovery or making a slight change to better your relationship to food and exercise. And so it's only fitting that I'm recording this intro for the episode on today as I personally am struggling with the fact that none of my genes fit. And in my post, as, you know, a little recap, I just go on to explain that it's okay to feel upset about this. Like, of course, it's not easy, 
But at the same time, the reason it's not easy and the reason that it affects me so much is because I'm comparing myself now to a past version of me. The Emily that wore those jeans was over-exercising, was restricting food, was drowning in grief and sorrow and depression, I was unknowingly fighting chronic hep C, there were all these reasons that my body was, I, I never had a period, like I never even went through pu puberty, I guess, technically, right? And so, of course, my body was very different back then. And now, I definitely do not over-exercise. I have lots of food freedom and, and I've worked on my emotional health, my mental health. I'm not perfect. I still struggle now and then, but I'm definitely not the same person as I was back then. And so, of course, my body has put on weight and muscle. And of course, my body has changed my hips and my waist. Everything changes as you grow. Like, that's just how life works. And so, we all know that saying, comparison is the thief of joy. But I think sometimes we forget that the most comparing we can do is with our past self. So whether that is comparing to a past body you had, or a past clothing size you were, or how much money you used to make, or what job you used to have, or what status you used to have in high school versus what you have now. Like, they're all just superficial labels of life and society, and they don't matter. And so it doesn't do us any good to compare to those past standards because all that does is leads us to obsess over something we cannot have or don't have instead of remaining present in the current day situation and building a life for the future. And I didn't mean to go off on a whole soapbox about that, but we all know that, you know, when these things happen, it's about more than just genes not fitting me. It's about all these emotions that I'm feeling because I'm comparing to a past self. For anyone that has gone through disordered eating, or you currently are, or maybe you're not even calling it disordered eating, but yet you still have an obsession with exercising all the time, or you still have food fears or diet culture ingrained in your thoughts and your habits. Like, this is my message to you that it is not worth it. You'll hear Madeline and I discuss in this episode very raw just how much of our life was spent and wasted and invested in these disordered eating thoughts and exercising tendencies and obsession with just, uh, you know, it comes down to control. Control of your body, your food, your exercise, all of that. And it's just not worth it. So this is just my plead to you that if you feel you're going through this or if you went through it and sometimes you still feel these thoughts coming up, know that you are not alone and know that there are people to help you. If you don't feel comfortable, you know, telling a therapist or a doctor or a family or a friend because you're afraid of them, you know, saying something, whatever it is, know that you can come to people like me or Madeline and we will help you through it as much as we can. And, you know, we can't, we might not be your end all help. <laughs> you know, we're not licensed or therapists or anything, but we've been there and we know what it feels like and we know what it takes to get out of that place. So I guess if anything, this is just my way of saying you're not alone. Recovery is possible. I fundamentally believe that recovery starts from within. So the first step to that, you know, is acceptance and seeing those thoughts and habits. And I don't want to go into it too much because you'll hear us talk about it, you know, all throughout this episode. But yeah, 
just let us know if you need help, a friend, shoulder to cry on, or person to talk to. We're here for you. There's so many people here for you, so there you go. But, I mean, I know that was a lot of serious. I kind of got in a little, like, trance there. I was just going on and talking, uh, <laughs> really speaking from my heart. But, yeah, I mean, as you guys know, I've been through my own eating disorder journey, and so it... And so I wanted to bring on someone else that was also in a similar situation because as you'll hear me say, like I didn't know I had orthorexia or all these different disordered eating tendencies until I heard other people talk about them on a podcast. So my hope is that by sharing stories such as this, you know, it will help at least one person. If I can help one person, then my day is made. And, you know, if you can hear the smile on my voice and you know, like I just want to help people. And so if I'm helping one person that's enough. But on to today's actual episode. Like I mentioned in the beginning, we talk about Madeline's journey through disordered eating and then how she got to the point of recovery. And you'll hear her aha moment that really spurred the entire process. And we're both aware of, you know, triggers. So we specifically left out anything and everything that may be triggering. This is a safe place for you. And, you know, if you're very overly sensitive and you can't even listen to people talk about it, don't listen. Maybe, you know, right now you can always come back to it, but otherwise it's trigger-free and I really hope it can help open your eyes to what's going on. We both share all sorts of advice and practices used to find recovery and Madeline goes into, you know, what really helped her reclaim her life, all starting with that aha moment of accepting her eating disorder and choosing recovery. We tackle all the disordered eating topics in here, share our insights. We go over food fears and books that have helped, and healing from within, you know, emotional, mental, all that good health jazz. And I hope you guys just enjoy this as much as I enjoyed interviewing Madeline. She's such a light. And as a bonus, since Madeline and I just love you all so much and we love our vegan ice cream, we are doing an awesome giveaway to celebrate food freedom and just truly living your best life with ice cream. Who doesn't love ice cream? So we partnered with Not A Moo to gift two people free ice cream. So two of you will win five free pints of Not A Moo, and it is the best vegan and gluten-free ice cream there is. Now, not going into diet culture of dairy and gluten is bad, but personally, Madeline and I cannot eat dairy or gluten due to health issues. So that's why we're doing this. No diet culture involved, I promise you. Now, all you have to do is go to our Instagrams and you'll see Natamu posts on each of our pages. All you do is follow the easy instructions to enter. It's to follow me, Madeline, and Natamu, and then just tag a friend that you would want to share this ice cream with if you could. Madeline is at Instagram at Madeline's Cookbook. Madeline underscore cookbook. And I'm on Instagram at Emily Feichels. It's all linked below. And for an additional five entries, if you'd rather not do the Instagram thing, you can just go and leave a rate and review for the podcast and just mention this episode. It can be anything about it, even if you just throw Madeline's name in on the end. Just any way so that I know you entered from this episode and you'll have even more chances to win. So don't let this opportunity pass you by. Free ice cream is free ice cream, friends. And we'd love to hear your thoughts, not only on the giveaway, but on the episode as well. What did you think about it? What did you like? Did something trigger you? Let us know. We both love to chat. We both love to connect. And I think that's all. So without further ado, let's begin. 
Well, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today, and we're hosting a giveaway with Natamu. So let's discuss our favorite oh, yeah. vegan ice cream. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, Natamu is literally the best. I mean, it's really hard. It's so hard to come by good dairy-free yogurts, ice creams, cheeses. Like the industry just needs to pick up a little bit, and it totally is. Like I, I can't like bash on it because there are a lot of like alternatives now, but um, not a moo. Oh, it has my heart. I, it's from Austin and I lived there over the summer, uh, working, doing an internship over the summer in Austin and me and like one of my best foodie friends, Connor, Good Eats with Con, we would go to the scoop shop, even though like you can buy a pint in store and like just have it at your house. We like love the experience of it. We would go one to two times a week to get like scoops of it. And then obviously I'd buy like at least one pint like during my weekly grocery visit. So I pretty much lived off that stuff over the summer. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed with it. I was just, I went to Florida like two weeks ago and the, like one of the main priorities of me being there was going to Whole Foods and getting Natamu ice mm-hmm. cream. And I, we had an ice cream sundae, my friend and I, we had ice cream sundaes every night and I am proud to admit I ate an entire pint in one sitting. Because, oh my gosh, that's because, awesome. You know Which like, flavor? Life's too short. Well, okay, this is the thing. I had the cho- plain chocolate, but I had my favorite. chewy, soft-baked, Simple Mills peanut butter cookies on it. Oh Ooh. my. That's good. Oh my gosh. That's actually a really good combo. I It's too hard for me to choose a favorite, honestly, because like, it just depends on my mood. Like I, I'm a chocolate girl. I love chocolate. I pretty much have a piece of like cute dark chocolate in my breakfast, whether it's oatmeal, pancakes. Like I always have like chocolate to like start and finish my day. Um, so I do love like just the simplicity of the rich chocolate, not a new flavor. But then I also like, I love their pistachio flavor, which like doesn't satisfy like that sweet chocolatey craving that I have. But like, have you tried the pistachio? Because it's so good. I haven't tried the pistachio. I need to though. I'm kind of like, so good. I know I always, I'm a sucker for chocolate. So I always fall for I the know, chocolate. I know, me too. Like that, but okay. You need to try the pistachio because it has like chunks of legit pistachios in it. And then the, um, peach cobbler, Ooh, the peach cobbler is so good too. Oh my gosh. We're like talking so hardcore about dairy free ice cream right now. I love it. I know. <laughs> well, when I visit, I'm, you're moving to Austin this summer, right? Yeah, I move in May. Um, so in the spring, That's, and then I okay, because I'm, I'm visiting. So I'm visiting in May to Austin. Oh my gosh! Wait, Wait were you talking no with Danny about doing an event? Like, remember? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about this okay. another time. But yeah. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, I'm so excited. We're I'm gonna going have in April an Austin to apartment trip. hunt. Ooh. Oh my gosh! You can't go to Austin and not have a good time. No, I know. And plus, like, what I'm saying is, I have to go to Natamu with you. And try oh my god, that's a given. These flavors, obviously. Totally a given. We'll just have to like taste try every single one and pretend like we haven't tried them before. Be like, sorry, we just need like one more taste of that. We're and Instagrammers. Then end up we getting, need like, it. <laughs> yes, and then end up getting like every flavor anyway. <laughs> oh. Sounds good to me. Well, our love for Nanamu is so great that in the intro of this podcast episode, everyone will hear about the giveaway and how they can enter to win free Nanamu ice cream, which is honestly a blessing. I mean, who wouldn't want mm-hmm. that? So I know. I think there are two winners, right? Yes. Two lucky yes, winners. Two so. winners. So, so listen excited. to the podcast and see how you can win. <laughs> 
Well, and, you know, obviously we both love this ice cream and not a moo, but the fact of the matter is that just a few years ago, neither of us would probably be eating it. So let's I know, ironic, right? (laughs) Oh, completely ironic. So let's dive into today's actual topic, which is honestly, there's like your amazing journey through disordered eating and how you recovered it. And I mean, anyone that knows you today just knows you're so like you're such a bubbly ray of light and love and you have the biggest heart. Oh my gosh. So just that just made my whole day. <laughs> Thank you. So you were just like a prime example of how you really can reclaim your life after something that takes over, you know, for sometimes years on end. So oh my gosh, let's totally. just dive into your story. And, you know, I'm curious how, let's actually real quick start in the present. So how would you describe your relationship to health like right now in the present day, just like a brief idea of what it's like before we go into what it was like. My relationship with health, um, constantly evolving, constantly changing. Um, and I think that's how it should be. Um, you know, not just with health, but with a lot of things in life, like you should never really stay stagnant. You know, you should always be learning. You should always be curious and, um, you know, changing things in your life to fit your unique body, your unique mind and your unique needs at the time. Because, you know, my needs right now are different than they were a year ago, even, you know, a couple months ago. So, um, my relationship with health right now is it's really just tailored around myself, which um, easier said than done, especially I'm sure you know this being in the Instagram world. um, It can be very easy to get caught up in what other people are doing. Um, But when it really boils down to health, for me personally, it's listening to my body and doing what feels good because for so long, I didn't feel good. I you know, I had an eating disorder. I was incredibly sick and underweight with anorexia nervosa. Um, Aside from those physical effects, I just mentally, I was so drained and exhausted. I pushed away my friends and my family and I was just isolated and going in and out of treatment programs, which I can get into. Um, But I just really lost sight of who I was and what the purpose of life was. So, you know, now fast forward and I'm doing so much better. I'm a very mindful person. I, you know, I just try to pick up on like, how, how is my body feeling? You know, like, am I feeling sick or am I exhausted? Am I not sleeping well? Like everything is, everything's related, interrelated when it comes to the body. Um, And we have such we have all the control over what happens to our body. And just like how we have all the control over our thoughts and our feelings and emotions. And so that to me is so liberating and so cool. Um, And so that's why every single day, like I, I love just doing, I mean, I love cooking and I love exercising, all that stuff. But, you know, I really just like connecting with people who are so like-minded and learning from them. And then like, I love researching myself. I've read a bunch of books on, you know, holistic nutrition um, to, you know, mental health books and just doing like Google research onto like what type of foods are good for, you know, your menstrual cycle, like just a bunch of, you know, like this is just of such high interest to me. And um, 
Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's like a whole bunch of like jabber right there, but I hope I answered your question. (laughs) Oh, it was not jabber at all. It was beautiful actually, because I love what you said about your health is constantly evolving and it always should be. You're going to need different things at different, you know, times of your life. And I think you're a good example of that. You never, you're never preaching things on your Instagram. You're like, you're just such a great example of what health is. And it's called unique personalization to each of us. Uh, There's no, you know, one thing fits all. So you you said it perfectly. And as you mentioned, like you did come from a past where you were extremely unwell for many years. And so, you know, how did, how did that all happen? Like what, what caused you to fall, you know, down that path? And then we can get into how you recovered and really, like I said before, reclaimed your life to be completely your own. Yeah. Um, so my eating disorder, it came, it started around eighth grade. Um, but before my eating disorder, I really, really struggled growing up with depression and anxiety and insomnia. And it was around, it was not around, it was in fifth grade when I started seeing uh, a therapist to help with anxiety and depression and a separate therapist to help with my sleep issues. Um, a fifth grade was just a tough time. I think it all kind of caught up to me. It was like brewing during my childhood and really caught up to me in fifth grade. I went to a super small Catholic private school um, where there were 12 girls in the grade. So, I mean, when there was girl drama, which was like all the time, uh, if you were caught on the wrong side of it, it really took a toll on you. And um, I think I was just like, I felt trapped and fed up and you know, outside of like school and girl drama, I also, there was stuff going on at home. Um, and I just, it started, I, how my therapist describes it now, um, therapist that I see now is that I was essentially acting out all of this craziness that was going on in my life. So the family stuff, the personal stuff, and then the friend stuff, like I was acting it all out and it was quote unquote, acting it out, it came out as anxiety and insomnia and depression. Um, And I really struggled with it. And I, you know, I was in fifth grade, like, I didn't want to see a therapist. I thought I was crazy for seeing a therapist. And my parents were the ones who were like, you need to see someone like you're sad, like you're going through something, you need to see someone. And my mom would lay with me for hours every night, just like stroking my arms and my skin, trying to calm me down to get me to sleep. And (sighs) <sighs> for the life of me, like could not fall asleep. But anyway, that, um, I mean, things sort of got like a little bit better. Not really. It kind of like just masked, uh, the problems kind of masked themselves and manifested in different ways, I guess I could say. So it was around towards the end of seventh grade that I started, um, cutting back on what I ate and I was counting calories except. So, I mean, my eating disorder, it it was a very long up and down roller coaster of a journey. Um, but it, it changed each of the time. So, you know, first started off as I didn't, I just didn't want to eat. It was about eating the lowest amount of calories every single day. So I really cut back on a lot of my food. Um, I played sports, but I wasn't like, I, that was like my exercise. You know, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was like addicted to exercise because I just did sports and, 
I didn't like go on my own to like the gym or something like I was in seventh grade. Um, but I did, I cut back on eating and my parents noticed very quickly. Um, and they sent me to a therapist. They didn't know what to do. Like this was their, you know, their child, their first and only child that was going through an eating disorder. They had no idea and they were scared. So we went to therapy and I saw, you know, my general physician and it got to a point where my general physician was like, I can't take care of her anymore because like, I don't want to be responsible if she dies. Like you need to put her into a program. So, um, and this was out throughout like my eighth grade year. So once I graduated from eighth grade, while everyone else got to have those fun summers going into high school and doing all those camps and getting to meet people, I was in a partial partial hospitalization program um, at like a a nearby hospital, and it was it wasn't it was women. Yeah, it was all women. Now that I think of it, all girls um, with eating disorders, not necessarily anorexia. I mean, there were binge eaters and um, bulimic. Um, I mean, it was everything. And we were there for three meals a day, every day. And we did light therapy, but you know, whatever, that was my whole entire summer. And I was able to get that weight back on, but I wasn't really recovered mentally. And so I relapsed and I relapsed a couple of times throughout high school. And each time we tried a different approach, you know, CBT and the Mosley approach. And we kept trying all of these things. And and nothing was really working. And it, it was because I, I wasn't ready to let go of my eating disorder. I still had a lot of turmoil going on in my life that I didn't have control over. And as you know, eating disorders are all about control. And, you know, all this craziness can be going on in your life. But hey, you're the one who's in control of how much you eat and how much you exercise and what you look like. And it's just such an obsession. And that's what I always like stress to people is that my eating disorder, it did not start and thrive off of like me wanting to look skinny. I mean, don't get me wrong, like that definitely evolved with it. And that became a part of the obsession was seeing yourself as this tiny, frail body. But like, it started because I I needed control, you know, and like, I I was lacking so much control in other areas of my life. And this was something that I had. Well, I felt like I had control over, but really I had zero control over it. I was sick. And um, I, I call my eating disorder Ed. It, I know a lot of people do that, but I always just like want to clarify because some people don't like know what I'm talking about. But I called him Ed and it was my parents and I, we like thought it was a good way to like help with recovery was to think of it as like this external not Madeline it's like this external like voice that's trying to control you and you know whenever there would be like a thought or something like oh I I look or feel fat my dad would be like is that you or is that Ed so just like a little reference I know you know but just in case anyone listening is like who the heck is Ed like some people before have been like was that like an abusive boyfriend or something. I'm like, kind of like, yes, but like in my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I mean, it was an up and down roller coaster throughout all of high school. Um, I really didn't like high school either. So that did not make things any better. Um, and I actually, I graduated high school early in December and 
uh, the December of my senior year. And I went and studied abroad in Spain and lived with the host family and was so excited to like literally get out of the country, like leave all of those people from high school and leave the family drama and all of that stuff um, and get away. And I did, and I did that, but I relapsed there and um, I was sent home and I truly thought, you know, cause I mean, gosh, my, my vision was so distorted. I would look in the mirror and I thought I looked totally fine and healthy. And really I had, um, you know, dropped to an incredibly unhealthy weight and I had no idea. So I went home, um, you know, I actually, I mean, this is whatever, this may be TMI, but nothing is TMI on a podcast. Um, I, what happened was I like couldn't go to the bathroom anymore. I was so constipated. I could not have a bowel movement. I went to like the ER two times in Spain with my host parents. Like they literally like could not get me to go poop. And so my mom was like, you know what? Like, I'm worried about you. Just come home. Even if it's like for a few days, like you can get cleaned out here and then go back. And oh my gosh, like she says it now too. Like when I got off that plane and like she saw me, she was like, oh my gosh, she relapsed. Um, and so I was hospitalized to obviously clean out my system. And then they kept me in the hospital for a couple of days afterwards, hooked up to a feeding tube and feeding me again. And it was laying in that hospital bed with a feeding tube up my nose when I should have been in Spain living my best life that I had that snap in me, Emily. I was, that was the point. Like it had been years though. This had, you know, been from seventh grade to the end of my senior year of high school for me to go, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. Like I, I, my life has been totally controlled and dictated by this voice in my head for so long telling me that I'm not good enough and that you know, I have control if I, if I don't eat and if I overly exercise and, you know, all of that stuff that it was, there were just lies. And then I just thought about all of the stuff that my eating disorder had taken away from me thus far. And it was all of those, like everything from all of those, like fun eighth grade activities and eighth grade graduation to the summer going into your high school, your freshman year of high school. And all of those fun high school parties and hangouts. I missed out on so many of those things and dances and family vacations because I wasn't healthy enough to be on a plane and overseas because my heart could stop. And, you know, I couldn't be out of the country if my heart stopped. And, you know, and now I was sitting in bed and I had finally in a hospital bed and I had finally gotten myself to Spain and I was loving it. Like I actually was truly living there minus the fact that I, you know, wasn't eating obviously, but I just laid there and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. Like I'm finally ready. And that's what it took is like, it doesn't matter how many treatment programs you go through. If you are not willing to accept that you have a problem and if you're not willing to accept that you need help and that you need to change, you're not going to get better. You can go to the best like treatment facility ever where all the celebrities go. You will never get better unless you want to. And so I laid there and me being very stubborn and very determined, I told my parents, I was like, I'm going back to Spain. And they're like, damn straight you are like, no, you're not. And, um, and same with all the doctors and even the program that I was studying abroad through were like, nope, we don't, we're not liable for any deaths or anything like that. We're not sending you back over. 
but I was able to get together with my team of doctors and my parents, as well as my host family, who was so sweet. And they were like, well, we want her back and we can help with weigh-ins. Um, I made a plan. And so I was in Chicago, that's where I'm from, for I think three or so weeks after I was after I got out of the hospital. And we made a plan if I, you know, gained a certain amount each week and had to get weight, like my, you know, blood checked and all of that stuff checked every single week. If I was on a continual increase or at least maintained, I couldn't go down. That was the rule. No going down. And it really wasn't even good if I maintained. I had to be increasing a little bit every week. Then I could go back. So I did it. I was so motivated and so determined. I was done with it. I was like, I'm done with this eating disorder. Like, yes, like I'm making it sound easy. Like I was just like, okay, feed me all of the ice cream and chocolate. Like I'm totally fine. Like it didn't happen like that, but I mean, it was hard. It was really hard. But every time I started to get those emotions, I just thought Spain, I'm getting back there. Spain. Like that was my, you know, that was my, I don't know what I'm my, my motivation. And so I went back there, um, you know, for the remaining of like my stay there, I got weekly weigh-ins at like the little pharmacia that was below our apartment building. And my host parents would take me, we'd send in the weight to like my doctors and parents back at home and as well as to the study abroad program. And, and I finished my time and I, you know, I put back on that weight, but I was like, so happy. Like I was so happy to be traveling and trying new foods and meeting new people and having all of these experiences that I, I just realized that it didn't matter if I gained weight. And quite frankly, I was like, dang, I look so much better now. <laughs> like looking back on pictures of when I was sick and I was like, oh, like minus the fact that it's just all bones there. Like your face just looks so drained and you look so sad. Um, and so I just, I gained my life back during those few months when my program was up in May, I stayed, I moved all of my stuff to Madrid because that's where my older sister, Grace was living at the time. And I stayed in her extra room and in her apartment. And I just had the summer of my life and so much fun. Um, it was really hard to leave, but I needed to, my parents were like, come back, just do four years of college in the States and then you can go do whatever you, your heart desires. So I came back and I started school um, at the University of Missouri. And this is my last semester, I graduate in May. So I mean, it's been a total, like, roller coaster of the last whatever, eight years. But I, I never gave up. Um, you know, life is really stressful. And gosh, college is really, really stressful. <laughs> but I, um, you know, I, I care so much about my health now and I never ever want to get back to that point again because it, it, it almost killed me and it took away so much of my life that I may as well have, would have been dead. You know, like I, I was missing out on everything anyway. Like I was just going through life like a zombie and, um, I had to rebuild a lot of friendships and, you know, relationships with people in my family after that. And my family's the best ever. Like they love me and they, supported me all the way through. But, um, you know, the matter of the fact was like, I was really sick and someone with an eating disorder or any mental, um, mental illness or any disease, it really takes a toll on the family as a whole. And, you know, I, I'm so grateful for them because they really stuck, by, stuck by my side and supported me. And I know that that is, um, 
you know, not everyone is fortunate, fortunate enough for that. So, but yeah, I mean, I've been doing a lot of, you know, my own self-care type of things. I go to therapy and I see a dietitian still and I see a doctor. I do all of this stuff, um, but of my own free will. You know, my parents are no longer, I mean, I'm, you know, 21, almost 22 years old. My parents can't force me to do anything anymore. And, you know, they haven't. And all of this has been, you know, my own doing. Like I reached out to my parents and was like, you know what, I'm struggling again. I think I need to go see a therapist. And they're like, yay, like, we're so proud of you for, you know, like noticing that and being honest with us and wanting to go get help. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's what sparked the whole idea behind Madeline's cookbook was that I just given my life for the last eight years, I've learned an immense amount about um, nutrition and health and how everything is interrelated when it comes to the body and the mind and all of your systems working together. So I just wanted to share my knowledge and my passion with people. Um, And also I've been making some pretty bomb recipes because I actually eat now. (laughs) Like for so long I didn't eat and like I didn't like I was scared to even use like seasonings on my food because I was like oh my gosh like any extra like I was scared to even smell food. I was convinced that like if I smelled food I would gain weight. So it's crazy to think that now I'm like making these like amazing recipes and like Oh, enjoying every single bite of it. Actually, like side note, this morning I ate breakfast um, with my eyes closed because I read, because <laughs> sometimes I get, I'm actually pretty good with like the mornings, like being slow and just like feeding or journaling and eating. But, um, you know, I read, where did I read it? I'm laughing so hard oh, right now just for context. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I was listening to a podcast called like, what's the juice? It's by that, um, her name's Olivia. Yeah, yeah, I love uh, that one. Thing. Yes, yeah, I love it. I literally, I mean, I listened to probably four hours worth of her podcast while I was traveling back home from California on Monday. Um, and one of it was like, yeah, like you should try eating with like a blindfold on or your eyes closed because you really you taste so many more of like the flavors that is in the food, and you like just feel like the texture of it. And so I was like, I'm doing it tomorrow. So I like woke up this morning and I did it and it was like, I mean, thank God, like my roommate wasn't awake or anything. Like no one saw me doing it. They're like, are you okay? But I was like, oh my gosh, I always want to do this because like, I mean, this is totally like off topic, but like you taste so much more of your food and it tastes so much better if you just like close your eyes and like don't focus on work or the TV or anything else. But, but yeah, so that is my whole my health journey, what got me into Madeline's cookbook. And I really just want to help girls, you know, like I, and not just girls with eating disorders, like I want to help people with anxiety and depression, whether it's chronic or you're just going through something. Um, or if you, maybe you don't have depression or anxiety or an eating disorder, but you just want some nutritional advice or, you know, like or just a friend, you know, or just a friend, like, oh my gosh, I love it when people just like respond to my stories like that. Even if like I just post a story, it has nothing to do with like food or anything. And like people just comment back, whether it's like, oh, like I've been here too. Or like, I love your outfit or something. It's like, yeah, you like me. I like you. I know. That's like, what's so funny because when we met in Austin, I mean, we, we had no clue who each other was, but I mean, within five seconds, you had Kaylee and I just like 
we were just fascinated by you. After we left, we were like, Madeline is amazing. We need to meet up again. Like you're just such a friendly person. And I think that's what makes you so great at what you do because, you know, people, people aren't afraid to come to you with, you know, a question or to say like, Hey, I've been here too. You know, I've been struggling there. And, um, you know, and that's what I actually wanted to talk to you about when you were talking about the food fear, you know, fearing food and helping others. Like, you know, if someone were to come to you and just say like, Hey, I'm having a hard time overcoming these fear foods and just, you know, really enjoying eating again, like what advice would you have them for maybe overcoming a fear food that is really holding them back, you know, from progressing forward in recovery? Yeah, that's a great question. So when it comes to fear foods, I say you just got to do it. Like, even if it's just one time, like if you're super, super scared about it, just think like, okay, it's just one time. It's not going to kill me, you know, just to be able to eat that food that one time. So let's say it's, um, I actually, I noticed, I'm so glad you asked this actually, because, you know, I'm not perfect and I am definitely not like, I like my eating disorder voice loves to pop up. Like it loves to test me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It loves to test me, especially now that like I'm back in school and like stress. It's like, let's try to sneak in like wherever we can. But, um, but Hey, we're mindful about it. And that's what recovery is, is being mindful of it and not acting upon it. So anyway, I noticed the other week that I was getting a voice saying that I couldn't have two bananas in one day. And I was like, Hmm. And you know why it's because of, and I don't want to blame it a hundred percent on society, but there are so many things that go around like social media and stuff. That's like, bananas are bad for you or eating too much fruit is bad for you. So you see this stuff. And even if you don't like think too much into it, your brain stores it in the back of your head. And if you have an eating disorder or any type of history with disordered eating, you really hold on to that. And it creeps back in when it like, it notices that you're stressed about other things going on in life. So yeah, like this was like two weeks ago and it was like, um, you can't have two bananas in one day. By the way, everyone, I have a banana every single morning at breakfast because I am obsessed with bananas and I can't like have oatmeal or like cereal without it because like to me, oatmeal's it's, it tastes good, but only if you put like sweeteners and stuff in it. Like if you have stuff in it, like I can't just like eat oatmeal. The old Maddie, when I was sick, I ate oatmeal just plain, but we don't do that anymore. And we don't do half a banana. We do a full one. But, um, anyway, I was like, I texted Kaylee actually. And I was like, Hey girl, I have a food fear. So I'm going to eat two bananas tomorrow and you're going to hold me accountable. And I didn't even really need Kaylee to hold me accountable. It was just like subconsciously being able to tell someone like, I did it, haha, like suck it eating disorder, you know, um, like having someone else cheering on my side. Like that was so, um, that was so awesome. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if someone has a food fear, if possible, reach out to someone and have them, you know, someone who will support you and cheer you on because that is always really helpful no matter what is going on in your life. Um, but regardless if you have that person or not, just make a time like in a planner, whether it's tomorrow or Wednesday of that week to have that food fear. It's just one time, one time's not going to change you. Like it's okay. And then after that one time, just look at yourself. Like, you didn't change. The world is still going on. People are still driving cars and going to work and doing all their stuff. Like 
you're fine. You know, like it's, I know that eating disorders love to convince us that like even the tiniest of things, like not like getting like 9,000 steps a day instead of 10,000, we're just automatically going to gain 10 pounds. Like, no, that's not how bodies work. <laughs> like it's so crazy. And that's why I love journaling and talking to like my good support system, because when you're writing this stuff down and or talking to someone about these thoughts, you would just realize how like stupid they are. You know? Exactly. Like, you know, an old thing of mine was, you know, not snacking before meals, you know? So like, say mm-hmm. I'm making dinner and I'm hungry. Some, you know, a part of my mind was so adamant about the fact of like, I can't have that cookie before dinner. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, that's something, it was actually a couple of weeks ago, I realized that was coming back. You know, the idea of, I'm hungry while I'm making my meal, but like, I've got to wait, you know, I've just got to wait. And I'm like, no, because then I'm going to sit down like ravenous, scarf down my meal. Like it just doesn't make sense when you start to think about it. Like, so it's so true that if you can write those thoughts down, speak them out to a friend, sometimes even if you say them to yourself, like it might feel crazy at first, but like sometimes, you know, if I'm home alone or I'm out walking, I'll just be like, Emily, what are you doing? You know, like just saying or writing the words makes you realize how ridiculous it is. Like, and also how it's not actually your thoughts, you know, how it's almost like an invader thought, Ed, uh, eating disorder. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're putting the words, the thoughts in your head. So writing it out or speaking it aloud can help you identify it as like, almost not even your own thought. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, no, totally. I journaling, I will forever preach as like my holy grail journaling is amazing um it just helps you get all of your thoughts out because when you when your mind is so congested with a bunch of different thoughts it just gets excessive and it's like oh your mind is running at a million miles per minute and you can't make decisions for yourself like you just gotta write it out it's like oh like word vomiting like just barfing out all of those thoughts and words positive and negative onto paper and rearranging them. And I love rearranging like them into like, okay, what's, what's in the past? What's in the present? What's in the future? Now let's just focus on the present and out of the stuff that's for the present, what's rational and what's irrational. Now let's take the rational stuff and let's list them in order of importance. And that's what I have to do. I've been having to do it a lot recently just because I've had so much going on and I'm super stressed out. Um, but obviously during like the less stressful times of my life, I don't have to do that as much, but I strongly recommend it to people. I wish I would have started journaling sooner. People told me, especially my mom for like the longest time to meditate and journal. And I was like, there's no way that writing stuff down on a piece of paper is going to help me. Uh, just like, I didn't believe that like sitting with my thoughts and breathing for five minutes a day would help me, but it totally does. Like I, yeah, I, everyone, please go buy yourself a journal. It doesn't even have to be cute. Just buy something, but make it cute. Actually. I feel like cute journals make it more fun. (laughs) I mean, you got to have fun with it or get some plain paper, you know, and I've seen a lot of people making their own journals almost, you know, like you just, you know, like just doodle your own little thing, do whatever you got to do. But yeah, I definitely recommend like get yourself a pen and some paper journal, whatever it is and just go at it or even start with typing if you need to. But yeah, I think your phone, everyone has their phones on them 24 seven, like get out your notes. 
Yeah, like my notes are like equal parts recipes, equal parts little mini therapy sessions with myself yes. and captions for Instagram. So yeah, does it just do it. <laughs> yes, for real. And like you said, like it can even just be a piece of paper. When I was traveling to California this past weekend, I was really trying to just pack one bag. Um, and so I was like, I can either bring my journal or I can bring my big book, which is 400 pages long. Um, and I was like, I really want to bring my book. So I just brought some blank paper and put it in my book and just wrote on that for like those, you know, four mornings that I was there. By the way, I read an awesome book. Everyone should read it. It's called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But anyway, it's like a really awesome book that just makes you see your life in a different and more, it's a funny light for sure, but it's pretty eye-opening and it's about like a therapist and her therapist and yeah. I love that. I, I've seen that book floating around and I need to get that next actually. Uh, but I'm curious, like, are there any other books you recommend, not just for eating disorders, but for, I think getting like an overall better understanding of yourself, because I'm a firm believer that you have to heal from within. So like my whole philosophy and if obviously like anyone who listens to the podcast knows it's all about 360 health and wellness. So mind, body, spirit. And so your body listens to your, what your mind says. Exactly. So like what other books have you read that have maybe like changed the way you thought about things or helped you, you know, handle your emotions better, you know, just sort of that more, that side of healing that we oftentimes kind of neglect until we have to. Yeah. Well, I loved, I read Body Kindness, um, Body Kindness by Rebecca Scritchfield. Um, and she's a registered, um, dietitian but it was awesome because it was just and it wasn't just for people like with eating disorders um it was just for like women in general and it was just about like oh your overall health and you know transforming your health from the inside out um and getting away from like this whole diet culture um that's what the book really focuses on so I loved that that was called body kindness Um, and I, and you know, this M and any, anyone listening who follows me know that knows that I'm very into holistic nutrition. So I read a book called deeply holistic by Pip Waller. Um, and it's just about knowing your body. Um, like even the front of the book says, know your body, live consciously and nurture your spirit. It's such a good book because it brings in a spiritual aspect to it, but it also gives you like hard facts. It's not just like, oh, eat this because it's good for you. It's like, well, this food actually has vitamins, blah, 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 blah. And this directly affects your mind in this way, which directly affects your liver. And like, it's so cool and fascinating. Um, And, you know, because food should not only taste good, but I am a firm believer that it should do something for your body. Don't get me wrong. Love my sweets and stuff like that, that like, I mean, like, Hugh Kitchen, like, doesn't really do any. It actually does. It boosts my mood. So, boom. That's why. But, you know, I, like, you can eat in a way that heals you. Um, and it's a really cool practice to follow because for so long I ate in a way that was killing me. And so to eat in a way that is actually, like, nurturing my body and to, like, listen to my body and be like, oh, I'm feeling, like, a little sluggish today you know, um, well, maybe I should eat 
you know, foods that have higher, are higher in B vitamins. Um, maybe I'm feeling a sugar crash and I need some natural sugars. I'm, you know, hypoglycemic. So when I start to feel like a little hangry or something and my hands start to tremble, I'm like, okay, give me like a smoothie or, you know, something with a lot of sugar in it. So it's really cool to know your body and to be able to practice, um, you know, have food practices and meditation and self-care and exercise practices that suit your body. So that's why I really recommend Deeply Holistic because it really helps you get in tune with your body. Um, And some things will connect with you and some things won't, like not everything connected with me, but I for sure had a lot of things that did connect with me. And I was like, Ooh, like that makes a lot more sense now. Um, so those two, Oh, well, I guess three, because then maybe you should talk to someone. And I just started, it's called oh, turtles something. Um, it's by John green. One second. Oh, I love him so, as an author. So he's so good. And it's about, um, it's called Turtles All the Way Down, and it's about, like, the main character struggles with mental illness, um, and, I mean, I literally just started it, like, last night, so I'll let you know how it is. My mom sent it to me, and, because John Green, you know, struggles, struggled with, you know, a lot of, um, anxiety and mental illness himself, so, um, which no one really knew about, or, well, I think people did know about it, because didn't he, like, after the fault in our stars, he like didn't write for a while. Um, I don't know. I need to be more updated with my job. We can cut this out. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I actually I just looked silly. up the book because it looks so, it looks really interesting actually. You know, cause yeah. I loved his book, I loved the fault in our stars, but like also looking for Alaska. Oh, I don't know. I just feel like his books are so, there's such depth to them, even if they seem weird to some people or weird at sometimes like, I just, I adore them. So I actually, I'm looking into that book because <laughs> now I want it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. And I can also, if, unless you want it, like right now I can send it to you when I'm done. I'm all about sharing books with people oh because gosh. I love reading like a physical book. Like I can't read off like a Kindle or an iPad, but then once you're finished with it, you're like, okay, I just have all this paper and like, I need exactly. to like recycle it and give it to someone. Well, it's so I, funny. Like, you should start like a foodie book club. Okay. But listen, this morning, this is so funny. This morning when I was at work, Kaylee texted me and asked if I could bring her some of my books when I, cause I'm going to California next week and I'm going to see oh, her. Yeah. So we, it's, it's, you know, like the sisterhood of the traveling pants. It can be the sisterhood of the traveling books. Oh we'll my just gosh. rotate yes. books between us. <laughs> and we should leave like cute notes for each other in the book. Yes. Like at okay. the end. Okay, we, oh, after so this, cute. we're texting Kaylee, and we'll get something planned. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, okay. Yay. No more paper waste, um, but yes, yeah, so not to get off topic, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that, because I think books can be such a great resource for people to, you know, learn, get a different experience, perspective, and just help you develop, like, a new thought pattern, and when you're going through disordered eating, sometimes that's what you need, you know, like, you need that outside perspective, uh, a little bit of a mindset shift and to really work on healing the mind and the emotional side of, you know, fundamentally what's causing this desire for control of your food, your body, your weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I totally know what you mean. And so you mentioned diet culture, just as like the last topic I wanted to hit on real quick is you mentioned yeah. diet culture, uh, how that first book was, you know, kind of helping, uh, discern between it. So I'm curious, uh-huh. 
how do you block out the noise of diet culture? Because everyone is exposed to it. And then if you're on Instagram, (laughs) we're all heavily exposed to it, unless you're very particular about, you know, who you follow. But even so, it's just all around us. So how do you get through that noise and not really let it, you know, take place in your mind where it'll, you know, it's like the seed gets in your head. And then before you know it, you're afraid to eat two bananas because some little bit of diet culture got in your mind when you weren't paying attention. So how do you try yeah. to tune out that noise? Um, I tune it out and it's, it's really hard. Like sometimes I have to take a little Instagram break because it can be too much at times. Um, there are so many different, different people with very unique bodies and very unique, um, you know, values and practices. And I have to remind myself that, um, you know, what someone does may make me feel terrible. So it's more of just like getting on there. I've had to filter as well. And I need to be a little bit better with this as well of who I follow because, um, yeah, people just, I mean, people are so different and unique and I have to constantly remind myself that like, oh my gosh, that meal looks super delicious, but you know, I may need a little bit more food than she does and that's okay. Or, um, you know, maybe they're eating meat or something and I don't eat that. And I just, it's reminding yourself that everyone is so different. And so, you know, appreciate and support people on their journey, but know that your journey is a completely separate and different one. Um, And then, yeah, when it gets too overwhelming, take a break. I take a break. I've been trying to be better with weekends, just giving myself that time um, just to like enjoy life. And also sadly, like I have a lot of homework to do that I push off until like the weekend. So like I need to on Sundays, like Saturdays are just my days to like take off, you know, do what makes me happy, spend time with friends, family, you name it. And then Sundays are kind of like, you know, do groceries, meal prep, do some homework and you know, then Monday I can start afresh and, um, creating boundaries too. Like I am like, I can't just be on Instagram all day long because I, again, like you get so many like mixed reviews or mixed like opinions from people. And it can be a lot if you've had a a busy day, a busy, stressful day, like with school and work. And you're like, okay, the last thing I need to see is what Jenny from the block is doing. You know, like I just, (laughs) I can't do that. I need to like shut off my phone. Um, so yeah, setting boundaries for sure. Knowing that you are a very unique individual and that you need to tune into your own body and, you know, listen to what it needs. Um, and then setting those boundaries, not being on Instagram 24 seven, uh, putting it away by a certain time. I really try to put that all away by 5:30 or 6 p.m. so I can just relax and you know hang out with my boyfriend or my friends and my cute little puppy make some dinner um yeah I mean Instagram is great in so many ways like heck I wouldn't know you I wouldn't know Keely I wouldn't know so many people without it but you have to use it correctly um which I also want to touch on really quickly I know there's a lot of Instagram shaming that goes on like oh I like I need to take off and you know sometimes I'm like oh maybe I should take off more time because you know this one girl took off a week and she said it was amazing and it's like no like it's not that Instagram is bad it's just like with anything in life like you need to set boundaries 
and you need to use it in a healthy way. So if you're sitting on there scrolling, looking at everyone's stuff and judging your own self, then yeah, Instagram, you're not using Instagram correctly. But if you're using it to inspire and motivate and encourage other people and to connect with other people, um, then it's a really positive outlook, actually. And so it's, um, yeah, it just depends on how you view it and how you use it. I agree 100%. Just like with everything else in life, I mean, if you're struggling with Uh, you know, say for instance, binge eating, you're not going to take a week of not eating at all. So it's like, if you're binging on Instagram content, you don't need to necessarily do like a detox or a week off of it. It's, it is about setting boundaries. Like for me, I used to, it's like, for some reason, every night I would end my night by scrolling on Instagram. Like that does no good because it makes you feel so horrible about yourself. And right. I mean, and it's that been, blue light too. Exactly. That blue light keeps yes. You and then it affects everything else. It's just like a cycle, but I'd say for probably three months now, I don't do that anymore. Like once I made myself kind of like I implemented a new habit to take place mm-hmm. of that old, you know, night scroll time. And I'm so much happier <laughs> without doing that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I get off my, I'm off Instagram by like seven. And then if I get back on, it's only to like, you know, message with some close friends or something. I'm not, I'm not on it to scroll or compare or any of that. Not so. Good yes. Thing. Yeah. Cause sometimes like, that's like the only way you can like talk to your friends sometimes. Like if you don't have their numbers and so like, yeah. no, like even last night I was like, it was like 8 PM and I did sneak back on Instagram because I wanted to see if like my one friend messaged me back. So, exactly. but yeah, I wasn't yeah. getting on to like, I wasn't getting on to like, comment and do all that stuff and like scroll aimlessly exactly yes all about those boundaries but you are just a wealth of knowledge and advice and experience and I'm so happy you came on the show but where can people think them yes of course thank you but where can people find you to learn more about you and uh that's where they'll be entering to win free ice cream so yes well please follow my instagram account because that is what i keep up with the most it is madeline's m-a-d-e-l-i-n-e-s underscore cookbook um i also have a website it's madeline'scookbook.com um which I just launched a couple weeks ago. My lovely boyfriend helps me code it and make it and everything. And that's just where um, all of my recipes will be. So you don't have to like, I mean, please scroll through my Instagram, but um, full recipes. And like everything. (laughs) Yes, like it, save it, comment, message me, all that jazz. Um, But yeah, all of my recipes are just in a much better, easy to navigate place on my website. Um, and then I also am on Pinterest. I love Pinterest that I actually do like get lost in more than like anything else. So follow me on Pinterest too, because I love seeing other people's like inspiration and stuff. And that's just Madeline's cookbook as well. But, um, yeah, guys, follow me, please message me. If you listen to this podcast and you have a question or a comment, or you just literally want to say, hi, I listened to the podcast with Emily, like, please message me because I love it. And I will give you major brownie points if you do. We both love it. We're both such people person. So please reach out to us. Let us know. Yes. Well, what did you guys think of that episode? Personally, I love how open and honest Madeline is. And I think this conversation will be very beneficial to anyone that's gone through eating disorders or anyone currently going through one and just really help put things in perspective, hopefully. 
Uh, I, you know, I hope that nothing was triggering in this. I really don't think anything was. Let us know if you, you know, liked the episode, what you liked about it, or if there was something triggering to you so that I know not to do it in a future episode on this topic. You guys know I'm open to feedback. I love connecting and so does Madeline. And as always, remember there is a giveaway for the Natamu ice cream. To enter, go on our Instagrams and follow the instructions for the Natamu posts. And for an additional five entries, or if you just don't do the Instagram thing, you can leave a rate and review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would help the show so much, and you get five more entries to win ice cream. So it's a win-win solution, you know what I mean? You can find Madeline on Instagram at Madeline's underscore cookbook, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. Everything's linked below, and you can just follow them and win free ice cream, you know? So enjoy, please enter, please win some free ice cream, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.